<laughs> Why not wait till you get to India? <laughs> okay, so we are continuing our study of the uh, fourth canto. We're on chapter 12, finishing chapter 12. Dhruva Maharaj goes back to Godhead. So we just heard about how uh, Dhruva was um, preparing to go back to Godhead. He paid obeisances to the uh, Vaikuntha Basis and to the airplane. But then as he was boarding the airplane, he was uh, concerned. That is, what about, the, the, they, they use the word poor mother. And uh, they pointed out that in the next runway over, so to speak, uh, 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 Suniti was there and uh, was joining him in the trip back to the spiritual world. Mm. So we're hearing about that passage to the spiritual world. And we'll start with text 34 and go on. While Dhruva Maharaj was passing through space, he gradually saw all the planets of the solar system. And on the path, he saw all the demigods in their airplanes showering flowers upon him like rain. So with those airplanes, uh, they probably didn't need, uh, what is it called, the, uh, the tower? Uh, airport traffic control, airport traffic control probably wasn't necessary. Uh, there was probably a way to avoid hitting each other. <laughs> Dhruva Maharaj thus surpassed the seven, seven planetary systems of the great sages, who are known as Saptarishi. Beyond that region, he achieved the transcendental situation of permanent life in the planet where Lord Vishnu resides. We read that last week, but we're just kind of catching up. The self-effulgent Vaikuntha planets, by whose illumination alone all the illuminating planets within this material world give off reflected life, light, cannot be reached by those who are not merciful to other living entities. Only persons who constantly engage in welfare activities for other living entities can reach the Vaikuntha planets. Text 37. Persons who are peaceful, equipoised, cleansed, and purified. So peaceful, equipoised, cleansed, and purified. And to know the art of pleasing all other living entities. Keep friendship only with devotees of the Lord. They alone can very easily achieve the perfection of going back home, back to Godhead. And Prabhupada writes something uh, very nice in the second paragraph. He says, A devotee sees all living entities with spiritual vision and does not discriminate on the platform of the bodily conception, uh, concept of life. Okay, so they see everyone equally. How do they get that ability to do that? Such qualities develop only in the association of devotees. Without the association of devotees, one cannot advance in Krishna consciousness. Should I repeat that one again? Without the association of devotees, <coughs> one cannot advance in Krishna consciousness. Therefore, we have established the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. Factually, whoever lives in this society automatically develops Krishna consciousness. Devotees are dear to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and the Supreme Personality of Godhead is only dear to devotees. On this platform only can one make progress in Krishna consciousness. So, What's, what's the connection between um, seeing everyone on the spiritual platform and uh, 
the Association of Devotees. Do we have a microphone, by the way? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Did you want to say something, Raghunath? No. Okay. So that, that is a good question. So, um, and then Prabhupada says that he created Is. Oh, did you want to say something? I'd like to make a guess. Um, your question, unless it's a rhetorical question that has no. No, it's no okay. Go ahead. Make answer. a guess. Uh, <laughs> that. Uh, we can't really know what is the spiritual vision or the spiritual way of seeing uh, other beings without uh, the devotee there to say, "No, that is that is material. That's not spiritual." You're, you know, mm-hmm. well, making adjustment. Yeah, that's part of it. Like we were talking last week. Remember, we asked people who their Fatma production of guru was. So if you hadn't had that association, right, and uh, we get association from we get association with devotees when we read Prabhupada's books. When we, well, when we read the Srimad Bhagavatam and Prabhupada's commentary and translation, right? Um, as we've mentioned many times before, that Prabhupada uh, thanks Narada Muni for kindly appearing on the pages of the Bhagavatam in the I think it's the sixth chapter of the first canto. Um, so that's so we're associating with Sukadev Goswami, with Maharaj Parikshit, with Dhruva Maharaj. With, um, and of course with Srila Prabhupada through his uh, Bhaktivedanta purports. So there's even b- that association. Uh, and then Prabhupada created ISKCON and, and even um, association to, a, well, in one sense, all of them, but especially two of the five most potent items of devotional service. Because when it talks about Bhagavad Shravanam, it talks about in the association of devotees. And then also the association of devotees uh, is when they come together and talk Krishna Kata. So, um, and then Prabhupada, so Prabhupada created ISKCON to provide the world with Krishna Kata and uh, the chanting of the holy names. Um, and we also know that there's a quality to association, right? You can kind of shoot the breeze with devotees and talk about what's happening in government and all that stuff, or you can be, you know, talking about Krishna consciousness, right? So there's a quality also. Um, but association is, uh, is so important. So just a few things about that, because there's so much. So, I mean, anyone, a verse that you, comes to your mind when you think about association of devotees? Yes? Microphone. Can't recall the full verse, but it's Bodhayantasta Parasparam Tushyanticha Ramanticha. So when devotees come together, they dis- uh, discuss about the glories of the Supreme Lord, and right. in that association, they are so they derive so much pleasure and satisfaction. Yes, so that's the second verse of the Chatur Sloki Gita. Uh, well, there's we'll keep one on the ground and keep the red one on the seats there. Also the Sadhu Sangha, Sadhu Sangha. Sadhu Sangha, Sadhu Sangha, Sadhu Sangha, yes. And also in the Chaitanya Chardha, this one's famous one also. Krishna Bhakti Janma Mula Haya Sadhu Sangha. Krishna Prema Janma te, tan, uh, Tenho Puna Mukya Anga. And that translation is um, that the root cause of devotional service to Lord Krishna is the association with advanced devotees. Even when one's dormant love for Krishna awakens, 
association with devotees is still most essential. Right. And then Prabhupada would often quote this verse from um, the fourth canto, that simply by associating with a pure devotee, one becomes wonderfully advanced in Krishna consciousness. Sadhu Sangha or association with devotee means always engaging in Krishna consciousness by chanting the... Oh, wait, that's a translation. That's a purport, isn't it? No. Yeah. Well, here's another purport. Uh, her plea was that even though she did not know the glories of... This is about Devahuti. Her plea was that even though she did not know the glories of her great husband, because she had taken shelter of him, she must be delivered from material entanglement. Association with a great personality is most important. In Chaitanya Charitamrita, Lord Krishna, Lord Chaitanya says that Sadhu Sangha, the association of a great saintly person, is very important because even if one is not advanced in knowledge, simply by association with a great saintly person, one can immediately become, make considerable advancement in spiritual life. As a woman, as an ordinary wife, Devahuti became, became attached to Kardamamuni in order to satisfy her sense enjoyment and other material necessities, but actually she associated with a great personality. Now she understood this, and she wanted to utilize the advantage of the association of her great husband. So, um, of course, Prabhupada's just kind of teaching us through Devahuti's example, because she was an exalted uh, Vaishnavi. But even if we, just, uh, if we just get fortunate enough with, that, with even maybe not the best motives to associate with a devotee, uh, that association can um, begin our devotional life. So, um, oh, here's the verse, I'm sorry, from the uh, seventh canto, sorry. Naisham matis tavat urukramangrim sprisat yanarto pagamo yad arta. Unless they smear upon their bodies the dust of the lotus feet of a Vaishnava, completely freed from material contamination, persons very much inclined towards materialistic life cannot be attached to the lotus feet of the Lord, who is glorified by his uncommon activities. Only by becoming, only by becoming Krishna conscious and taking shelter at the lotus feet of the Lord in this way can one be freed from material contamination? So, and of course, there's so many more that we could um, uh, give examples of, but um, it's clear that the association of devotees is, uh, it's not, it, that, that verse that we quoted from the Chaitanya Charitamrita is important because it's not that you need association in the beginning, but then don't need it later on in life. But it says, even if one is on the level of prema, it's still essential. So, so some thoughts on association? Yes? Hare Krishna. Only that if, uh, if such emphasis is being made and uh, and for, and rightly so that uh, the Lord, in essence, wants to protect us at every stage from becoming. Oh, I'm such a great devotee. I can, yeah. be, you know, I'm 
you know, complete within myself, and I can worship the Lord independently, la, la, la. Right, yes. Even in one place, uh, Prabhupada wrote that if one thinks that they can become Krishna conscious without the association of devotees, they're living a, in a hallucination. <laughs> in a hallucination. So, yes, you're right. It, 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 it can, hopefully, uh, it brings out uh, some humility in us. Uh, when we understand how important it is to have the association of devotees, and uh, we, you know, we get that in that that song by uh, Narottama Das Thakur, right, where he's talking about all of the different, so you know, he kept on missing right the association, and and then he mentions Ramachandra, his good friend. So it's uh, these are important things to have friendships in Krishna consciousness, people that we can talk to um, and reveal our hearts to and our minds to. Um, um, we are, after all, just tiny instruments of the Lord's pleasure. Right, so we're very affected by our... That's another point, that we're very affected by association. So one, the, there's a, a statement, I can't remember where, that um, the utilization of intelligence is to choose who you associate with. That's... That's one of the functions of intelligence uh, because we're very much affected. We're so affected. Most of us are uh, kind of chameleons. You have a, a sadvi who wants to talk to you. Uh, she wants the keys to the car. She wants to drive uh, to, the, to the Safeway. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's another point that we should, you know, if we examine ourselves, we look in the mirror, we say, boy, I am really affected by my association. I better choose good association. Yeah. And we may have to be a little uh, smart about that because for some of us, we may be living in our house in the suburbs and uh, going, spending eight or nine hours a day with people who aren't devotees of the Lord. And so how do we get that association? How do we get good association in that circumstance. It's, it's a bit more of a challenge. It's, uh, it's possible, but it's more of a challenge. What do some of you do? Here? Okay. Read. All right. The job I do is to serve the Lord. Uh, so, so see the, the job in connection with... Yeah, because God has given me to do some duties in mm. this material world. So I just keep that in my mind and right. just do... I, I'm trying. I'm not there, but I keep trying that. Okay. See the work that you're doing in connection with the Lord. Other things? What do you do? Watch TV. Watch TV? No. <laughs> watch, watch, watch lectures. Uh -huh. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, so these are all... So we're lucky in one sense that uh, uh, although... Modern technology can take us away from the Lord. It also can bring us close, right? Um, we can listen to uh, things as we're driving, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, good, because it, it's, it's something to think about because it has such an important, a big impact on our lives, right? Like, I don't know if I can do it. I hope I can do it, but so tonight I'll have a big challenge. I'm flying to India. And there's a screen right in front of me with like 150 movies. Um, but uh, Prema Charangani Mataji and her good husband gave me uh, a, a pen drive with uh, all the uh, lectures from the recent Govardhan retreat. 
So I'm hoping I will have the spiritual strength to listen to those <laughs> instead of uh, put my uh, earphones into my computer rather than into the, uh, <laughs> the adjacent seat. So we'll see. That'll be a big test tonight. <laughs> Anything else on association? Yes, uh, microphone. I think it's something that Ramanujacharya says, that if you've tried everything, all kinds of things, and nothing works, just go sit in the association of devotees, mm, nice. and something nice will come out of it. Very nice. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so text 38. In this way, the fully Krishna-conscious Dhruva Maharaj, the exalted son of Maharaj Uttanapad, attained the summit of the three statuses of plenary systems. Then Saint Maitreya said, continued, my dear Vidura, descendant of Kuru, as a herd of bulls circumambulates a central pole on their right side, all the luminaries within the universal sky unceasingly circumambulate the abode of Dhruva Maharaj with great force and speed. After observing the glories of Dhruva Maharaj, the great sage Narada, playing his veena, went to the sacrificial arena of the Prachetas and very happily chanted the following three verses. The great sage Narada said, Simply by the influence of his spiritual advancement and powerful austerities, Dhruva Maharaj, the son of Suniti, who was devoted, who was devoted to her husband, acquired an exalted position not possible to attain even for the so-called Vedantists or strict followers of the Vedic principles, not to speak of ordinary human beings. Then he continued, Just see how Dhruva Maharaj, aggrieved at the harsh words of his stepmother, went to the forest at the age of only five years and under my direct direction underwent austerity. Although the Supreme Personality of Godhead is unconquerable, Dhruva Maharaj defeated him with these specific qualifications possessed by the Lord's devotees. So we've talked about this so often, so I'm, I'm not going to comment, uh, talk about it too much, but just listen to these first few sentences and meditate on them. Okay? The Supreme Personality of God is unconquerable. Right? That's pretty straightforward, right? No one can conquer the Lord. But... He voluntarily accepts subordination to the devotional qualities of his devotees. That's pretty amazing, actually. I mean, we're, kind of, we're used to, we hear this all the time, so like, okay, what else is new? But it's actually a, an amazing statement. The example, uh, for example, Lord Krishna accepted subordination to the control of Mother Yashoda, because she was a great devotee. The Lord likes to be under the control of his devotees. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, it is said that everyone comes before the Lord and offers him exalted prayers, but the Lord does not feel as pleased when offered such prayers as he does when the devotee, out of pure love, chastises him as a subordinate. The Lord forgets his exalted position and willingly submits to his pure devotee. So that's why, you know, um, 
Prabhupada would say things like, well, Mayavadis want to become one with the Lord, we want to become greater than the Lord. But in this sense, control him by love. Right? So it's, it's actually a very amazing statement. But this is, I mean, who understands God in this way? Thinking about it, doesn't that seem like the essence of all, or at least some loving relationships when you love someone, they're volunteering or they're vol voluntarily submitting and giving back? Well, there, yeah, yeah, in one sense. So there's reciprocation in, in any loving relationship. It may manifest somewhat differently. The reciprocation in Madhurya Ras is different than Dasya Ras. It's, but there's reciprocation in all those, yes. But in Dasya Ras, the Lord is accepting the service as a superior. But in, but, uh, in um, uh, Vatsalya and Madhurya, then it's, uh, especially, well, Vatsalya, especially, right, here, Mother Yashoda. But then we see the gopis, where some gopis would chastise Krishna. And he would enjoy that. So anyway, amazing point. And then a little later, the sum total of devotional qualities is development of unalloyed love for Krishna. This unalloyed love for Krishna can be achieved simply by hearing about Krishna. That's a pretty amazing statement. The unalloyed love for Krishna can be achieved simply by hearing about Krishna. So sometimes we think Krishna Prema is so far away. But at the same time, it's our, what is it called? In, uh, Rupa Goswami calls it Janmakar. Right? What does Janmakar mean? Kar is short for Adhikar. Oh, she's she's back from the shop, <laughs> right? And Janma means so. In other words, just by being born, we have the just by existing, we have the eligibility to be Krishna's pure devotee. And Krishna Prema is the goal of every living entity. So. Even though it seems so far away, we're thinking, oh gosh, Ado, Shraddha, Tata, Sadhu, Sangha, Baj. I'm somewhere between Bhajanakriya and Nartanavirti, and there's like five more stages. <laughs> One thing I heard Bhakti Chaitanya Maharaj say once that the stages after um, um, Nishta, steadiness, go very quickly, which is interesting, but good news, right? But anyway, and all it's very and all we got to do, Prabhupada says in the sentence, all we got to do is hear about Krishna. Mm -hmm. And Lord Chaitanya accepted this principle that if one in any position submissively hears the transcendental message spoken by Krishna or about Krishna, then gradually he develops the quality of unalloyed love. And by that love only he can conquer the unconquerable. So that's, uh, um, yeah. That verse that from uh, right? That you stay in your position, but 
hear about Krishna. Any points? Okay. So the last verse that Narada says, Dhruva Maharaj attained an exalted position at the age of only five years after undergoing austerity for six months. Alas, a great chatriya cannot achieve such a position even after undergoing austerities for many, many years. And Prabhupada writes, the lesson from the life of Dhruva Maharaj is that if one likes, he can attain Vaikuntha Loka in one life without waiting for many other lives. My Guru Maharaj, Sri Srimad Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Goswami Maharaj, used to, excuse me, used to say that every one of his disciples could attain Vaikuntha Loka in this life without waiting for another life to execute devotional service. One simply has to become as serious and sincere as Dhruva Maharaj, then it is quite possible to attain Vaikuntha Loka and go back home, back to Godhead in one life. So, um, let's see. Could we turn this one up a little bit? I'm going to play a, uh, just a short part of a YouTube video, maybe even a little louder. It doesn't give feedback. one minute. So the question was, can you attain perfection in one lifetime? So let's just play that one more time, because probably it's so forceful. One minute. That is Krishna consciousness. One minute. One minute. <laughs> so in the purport it says one lifetime. Here Prabhupada is saying one minute. And he's very, in the whole lecture, it's just a five-minute excerpt. Uh, the whole, <laughs> he's very forced. One minute, you're not reading Bhagavad Gita? Sarva Dharma Prachagya Mame Kam Sharanam One minute. <laughs> so, uh, so one lifetime, one minute, uh, it's, it is achievable. That's important, right? Utsahan Nishaya Dharyat, right? That enthusiasm, patience, and confidence. The confidence is another word for that would be faith, right? Just the, the trust that the, it can be achieved. It's uh, whatever state of consciousness we're in now, and however long it's taken us to get to the state of consciousness right now, that doesn't have to. Uh, Krishna at any time can bless us, just like you know, the conch shell touching Dhruva Maharaj's head, uh, and. We can make rapid advancement. We just, we just do our part and leave the rest up to Krishna. That's up to him. But we do our part. We try our best. But then after that, 
were kind of in Krishna's hands, right? Even on a very exalted, a very uh, high stage of Krishna consciousness, uh, ultimately it's Krishna that allows the Samvit and Ladini Shakti to descend on the living entity and one actually experiences bhava and prema. It's not something that we can force because we're dealing with a person, right? You know, even in the material world, right? You know, you, you, can, get, you can buy somebody, you know, two dozen uh, roses and buy them a new car and this and that. It's not, it's not necessarily that they're gonna, there's, there's gonna be an exchange of love. You know, it's, it's, uh, it might be an exchange of something else, right? Because everyone just, well, keep the presents coming, you know? Uh, but, um, so we do our best and we see what Krishna arranges. So some thoughts on one minute or one lifetime or? No? Okay. One minute. Text 44. The great sage Maitreya continued, my dear Vidura, whatever you have asked from me about the great reputation. This is by way amazing, those last three verses, right? Because here's a spiritual master glorifying their disciple. Usually we, you know, we think of it the other way around, right? right. But he's so, he was so pleased with his disciple that he was so determined. And, and, he tra and as the last verse says, he transcended his upadi as a chatriya. Right? Because it, it says that it was... Uh, um, well, alas, a great chatriya cannot achieve such a position, even after undergoing austerities for many, many years. So he, he transgressed, he transcended his bodily identity and his bodily um, limitations. Um, and yeah, uh, it's, the spiritual master is very pleased when he has a successful disciple. Very happy to see someone making spiritual advancement. The best way to please the spiritual master is to make spiritual advancement. Yeah. And to help others make spiritual advancement. My dear Vidura, Maitreya continues, whatever you have asked from me about the great reputation and character of Dhruva Maharaj, I have explained to you in all detail. Great saintly persons and devotees very much like to hear about Dhruva Maharaj. Prabhupada writes that Srimad Bhagavatam means everything in relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Whether we hear the pastimes and activities of the Supreme Lord or we hear about the character, reputation, and activities of his devotees, they're all one and the same. Neophyte devotees simply try to understand the pastimes of the Lord and are not very interested in hearing about the activities of his devotees, but such discrimination should not be indulged in by any real devotee. So that's an important point, naturally. I mean, um, yeah, because what is it? The, 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 uh, the great devotees have taken the, uh, the boat across to the other shore, right? Boat, but they've also leave the boat behind simultaneously for others to take. So, so Mahajana Yena Katasa Panta, when we, that, that's, we know that, right? Uh, we see that. Um, when we hear Shila, Henry, Henry was talking to me about how he's just starting to read uh, Mukunda Maharaj's book on uh, Miracle on Second Avenue. And uh, so cross-referencing it with the Lilamrita, so we hear about Srila Prabhupada. Um, we get very inspired. 
And we hear about disciples of Srila Prabhupada, um, and that, that's my phone, uh, and it's in my jacket, sorry about that. <laughs> but it's, 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 uh, the ringtone is Krishna's flute, so it's semi-bonafide. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Oh, yes. Because that, that should also give us faith in Prabhupada, that he, was, that he was able to empower his followers to achieve success. And I think we talked about that last week when we talked about Gunagari Maharaj leaving this world, how he left in such a successful way, and Bhakti Tirmana, and so many devotees. So, um, so it's, kind of like, it's kind of like the Kanishta Adhikari concept, isn't it? Right? The Kanishta Adhikari is one who was happy to serve the Lord, but all the other the devotees doesn't uh, understand, doesn't see the connection, right? But the Madhyama uh, sees the connection, right? And, there, and so we should be, uh, so we, we can be inspired uh, not to just hear, and therefore the Bhagavatam is full of stories about the pastimes of the devotees, right? You can't think of Lord Nishingadev without thinking of Prahlad Maharaj, really, right? Uh, for example, yeah. Any thoughts on this? So hearing about devotees is, uh, is a great inspiration. And then a little later in the purport, a sincere devotee should read every chapter and every word of the Srimad Bhagavatam. For the beginning verses uh, describe that it is the ripened fruit of all Vedic literature. Devotees should not try to avoid even a word of Srimad Bhagavatam. The great sage Maitreya, therefore, affirm herein that the Bhagavatam is samatam satam, approved by great devotees. So uh, Sanatana Goswami says that each syllable in the Bhagavatam reigns prema. So sometimes we may wonder about that um, because some verses are about Varnashrama or this and that, things that aren't you know, on the same level as the... But they're all... Uh, I, explained, I said this a little bit last week uh, listening to Radhika Raman Prabhu that... Uh, while many of the Puranas are kind of going all over the place, the Bhagavatam is very, very systematically presented, he said. And even when it's taught, you know, the, the, uh, all the verses ultimately aim at, you know, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam, or, or the other verse, Vedanti Tat Tata Vidas, that uh, they aim at Krishna, ultimately, understanding Krishna. So... Um, so, and, and then there's the famous uh, statements that, so Lord Chaitanya is, you know, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, Radha Krishna, Nahe Anya. Right? He's Radha and Krishna combined. He took great pleasure, for example, in hearing about Prahlad Maharaj and, and Lord Nishingadev. Right? So he didn't just say, okay, it's, let's go to, the, what is it, the 31st verse? They go to the, uh, the five, what are they called, Pancha? The five uh, chapters of the Raslila in Tenth Canto. There's a name. Anyway, go to those five. But he, so we should read systematically. And then when we get to the tenth Canto, we won't mistake this boy who's stealing yogurt and stealing clothes and doing all kinds of mischief and things like that. We won't mistake him to be an ordinary child, but supreme personality of God. <clears throat> so we're, going, we're it's taken us a long time, but we're up to the fourth Canto. <laughs> Some thoughts on this? Yes. Um, 
one thing i really appreciate in shrimad bhagavatam when it describes the devotees is their mode of devotional service what they do and how they pray to the supreme lord mm. and how the supreme lord reciprocates to their love and devotion because otherwise i will not have any clue about how to go about praying to the supreme lord or loving supreme lord mm-hmm. but these devotees these exalted personalities show the way mm-hmm. and 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 yes they do and then also the great acharyas just like uh, prabhupada would talk about how narottam das thakur wrote in very simple bengali language yet uh yet his prayers are you know surpass the vedas right? because they they show the bhav of a devotee i was just reading uh, this morning um by bhakti vinod thakur i think I, yeah because uh, this question it was it was i was doing some research on this point about lord chaitanya hearing that about prahlad maharaj right because you would you know prahlad maharaj great great devotee but you wouldn't he wasn't exactly a, a rag marg brijbasi right so then this is um prayer by Bhaktivinoda Thakur right where he's praying to Lord Nishingadev um within my sinful heart the six enemies headed by lust perpetually reside as well as duplicity the desire for fame plus sheer cunning at the lotus feet of Sri Nishinga I hope he will mercifully purify my heart and give me the desire to serve Krishna so there's he's making the connection Krishna and Nishingadev um he will uh weeping i beg at the lotus feet of nishingadev for the benefit so here that so this for the benediction of worshiping radha krishna in navadweep so he's again making the connection of vaikuntha mood of nishingadev that that he'll clear the path so that i can worship radha and krishna in navadweep um perfectly safe and free from all difficulties when will this lord hari whose terrible form strikes fear into fear itself ever become pleased and show me his mercy even though shri nishingadev is terrifying towards the sinful souls he offers great auspiciousness unto the devotees of krishna headed by pralad maharaj when will he be pleased uh to speak words of compassion unto me and it goes on like that it, it, it uh, well and then the next one talks about radha and krishna uh, the next stanza and goranga dam etc so so we so um for us in one sense all paths lead to uh vrindavan or to mayapur which is non different from vrindavan right so but we can still take the step by step approach and we can take the el escalator the elevator and and read the krishna book yes i just wanted to add to the thread this very nice thread of of seeing uh the many prayers of the devotees in the bhagavatam that we're also encouraged to in our own best sense create our own prayers and our own words Yes, this is mentioned in the nectar of devotion. There's uh two uh things through two uh points about prayers and one of them is reciting the prayers of the previous acharyas and then also uh creating one's prayers, you know, yeah. 
By hearing the narration of Dhruva Maharaj, one can fulfill desires for wealth. There you go. Anyone want wealth? Reputation. Anyone want big reputation? And increased duration of life. It is so auspicious that one can even go to the heavenly planet or attain Dhruva Loka, which was achieved by Dhruva Maharaj just by hearing about him. The demigods also become pleased because the narration is so glorious and it is so powerful that it can counteract all the results of one's sinful actions. Anyone who hears the narration, so this is called a shruti fal, right? The fruits that one can get by hearing. Anyone who hears the narration of Dhruva Maharaj and who repeatedly tries with faith and devotion to understand his pure character attains a pure devotional platform and executes pure devotional service. By such activities, one can diminish the threefold miseries of conditions, uh, con- miserable conditions of material life. Anyone who hears the narration of Dhruva Maharaj acquires exalted qualities like him. For anyone who desires greatness, prowess, or influence, here is the process by which to acquire them. And for thoughtful men who want, um, who want adoration, here is the proper means. The great sage Maitreya recommended, one should chant of the character and activities of Dhruva Maharaj both in the morning and in the evening with great attention and care in a society of brahmanas and other twice-born persons. Persons who have completely taken shelter of the lotus feet of the Lord should recite the narration of Dhruva Maharaj without taking remuneration. Specifically, recitation is recommended on the full moon or dark moon night on the day after Ekadashi on the appearance of the Shravan uh, star at the end of a particular titi or uh, the occasion of Yatipatpata at the end of the month or on Sunday. Hey, that's today. <laughs> Such recitation should, of course, be performed uh, should, should, of course, be performed before a favorable audience. Very good. Check that mark. Uh, while recitation is performed in this way without professional motive, the result, reciter and audience become perfect. <coughs> this is much longer shuti fall than usually here. It's quite a yeah. The narration of Maharaj is sublime knowledge of the attainment of immortality for the attainment of immortality. Persons unaware of the absolute truth can be led to the path of truth. Those who, out of transcendental kindness, take on the responsibility of becoming master protectors of the pure living, poor living entities automatically gain the interest and blessings of the demigods. And finally, the transcendental activities of Dhruva Maharaj are well known all over the world and they are very pure. In childhood, Dhruva Maharaj rejected all kinds of toys and playthings, left the protection of his mother and seriously took shelter with the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Vishnu. My dear Vidura, I therefore conclude this narration for I have described to you in all details, in all its details. Jai. So the next chapter describes the descendant, the uh, description of the descendants of Dhruva Maharaj. And it goes through the first like six or seven generations quite quickly. Mm. So Sutta Goswami, continuing to speak to all the rishis headed by Shonaka, said, after hearing Maitreya Rishi describe Dhruva Maharaj's ascent to the Lord to Lord Vishnu's abode, Vidura became very much enlightened in devotional emotion, and he inquired from Maitreya as follows. In the purport, it says, 
as evidenced in the topics between Vidura and Maitreya, the activities of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and the devotees are so fascinating that neither the devotee who is describing them nor the devotee who is hearing is at all fatigued by the inquiries and answers. Transcendental subject matter is so nice that no one becomes tired of hearing or speaking. So, um, so there, there's a certain taste. You know, we, we've told that, you know, you know that there's that pastime, was it, I don't remember if it was in Japan or something, where on Janmastami the devotees were reading the Krishna book and Prabhupada was listening just enjoying so much and the devotees were getting tired they were fasting and, and they all like one by one they would make an excuse why they had to leave the room right that wasn't enough you know so <laughs> you know but there's a taste in the three modes of material nature each of the modes and the combinations of those modes there's a certain taste there right and we are usually we have some attraction to that taste um, and then there's a higher taste, a, a much more satisfying taste in the taste of Krishna consciousness. And our challenge is we kind of have a, we, we don't have the highest, highest taste of Krishna consciousness, obviously, or else we would just be wanting to do that 24 hours a day, seven, or at least as we, as we see here in this purport, uh, to really naturally minimize eating and sleeping, etc., just because it takes away from our time that we could be hearing and chanting, right? Um, so we're kind of in a uh, tricky situation now where we kind of have a, we experience the taste of the three modes of material nature sometimes, and we experience the taste of Krishna consciousness sometimes. And sometimes when we're experiencing the taste of the three modes of material nature, we're not so much in the mood of comparing it to the higher taste. <laughs> We're more kind of absorbed in, in that taste, uh, the three modes. Um, but then when we're in Krishna consciousness experiencing that higher taste, then we're thinking, God, why did I waste so much time in the modes of material nature? What are, you know, right? So um, we have to, we, we should sharpen our intelligence on one level uh, that we're in when we're getting affected by the modes, saying, no, no, I know, I know I'm not, my mind doesn't really want to think that the spiritual life is more enjoyable, but I should still force myself to do the spiritual practice. And then also just get, you know, we're very much uh, affected by our experiences. We're very much affected by our experiences. So we need to have Krishna conscious experiences, Krishna conscious samskars, uh, mental impressions, so that those drown out the others. So, um, we can't imitate great personalities like the six Goswamis or Srila Prabhupada, right? Who, I mean, he just slept very little. <laughs> he really did. But their example should point out to us, um, uh, should point to the happiness of transcending material life and achieving Vrindavan. It should, it should, it should be that, oh, yeah, okay, that's... So it's not that Srila Prabhupada just, you know... They had one of those kind of bodies that didn't need a lot of sleep, right? It was, it was you know, just that he, 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 the taste of Krishna consciousness made it like, oh, God, now I have to waste some time and take a few hours rest, right? In the uh, sixth verse of the uh, uh, Sadgoswami Ashtakam, 
right? This is mentioned, right? Where it says that the six Goswamis, they were engaged in chanting the holy names of the Lord and bowing down in, um, in a scheduled measurement. In this way, they utilized their valuable lives and in executing these devotional activities, they conquered over eating and sleeping and were always meek and humble, enchanted. And how? They were enchanted by remembering the transcendental qualities of the Lord. So we, I think we all know that if we're totally absorbed in something, enchanted by it, nice word, enchanted, then time, time takes on a different, and we block out the rest of the world and things like that. So unfortunately, often our, our experiences of such enchantment are within the modes of material nature. So now we have to have enchanting experiences more and more and more in Krishna consciousness. So it's a question of what are we enchanted by? What are we enchanted by? <clears throat> and then we can gradually, you know, uh, get it such a taste that, uh, yeah, maybe we could one day, you know, think, oh, God, you know, instead of thinking like, uh, time to take rest, my favorite part of the day. <laughs> Some of us may think like that. <laughs> but instead, like, oh, darn it, I have to take care, I have to take some rest. Rats. <laughs> so, thoughts on this? Yes, Boo. Did you have your hand up? Oh, sorry. Um, I think in the first chapter of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna addresses Arjuna as Gudakesha. Right. And Prabhupada makes a comment in the purport that Arjuna had overcome sleep because even in sleep he was remembering and chanting Krishna's. Beginning of 13th chapter, Mahamantra Prabhu. <laughs> Go ahead. Remembering and chanting Krishna's name and glories even mm -hmm. while he is uh, sleeping. He's so absorbed. Right. Yes. Yeah, so absorbed. And he also did archery at night, right? Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So, which was uh, like uh, Prabhuji was saying, it's kind of like that was his service. Yes. So, it's a question of uh, absorption. What, what are we absorbed in? So uh, we're recommended to be absorbed in Krishna consciousness. <laughs> Duh. Other thoughts? And, and so for us, we have to be hmm, practical. Because the practical reality is that if we're not really, really uh, absorbed in Krishna, then the intelligence doesn't, and Prabhupada writes this also elsewhere, the intelligence doesn't function very well when you don't get enough sleep. If you, anyone had that experience. Yeah, I remember, uh, I remember as a devotee going back to the university, remembering that, because prior to being a devotee, I used to do all-nighters and things like that. But then when I understood that, I would take rest early, <laughs> uh, the day before a big exam. And you know, rest the intelligence so that it was actually sharper the next day. So, so devotees get between six and eight hours sleep is what Srila Prabhupada generally recommended. He says six in Gita, but elsewhere, six to eight hours. So, you know, we have. To, but if we can, if if by by Krishna's mercy, we as we get older, we we get a taste for Krishna consciousness, and we can decrease without our intelligence being affected, and and. Uh, without you know, falling asleep at the wheel while we're driving and, and terrible things like that, then you know, we can consider that, but, we have, but practical. Yeah. Same thing with prasadam. 
but Prashadam, you know, we can, uh, our, usually our mind tells us we need more than we actually need. Right? And I think we've all experienced that. That uh, Again, it's, I think absorption works a lot with fasting, right? If you're fasting on the, the John Master or something. And if you're not very busy, then you're just, oh, you're thinking about your stomach all the time, right? But if you can keep yourself uh, absorbed in something else, and you go, oh, wow, it's 8 o'clock at night. I'm not even worried about it, right? Yeah. Absorption is a very interesting concept. When I'm meant to be absorbed in Krishna. Other thoughts? Okay. Well, moving right along. Text number two. Vidura inquired from Maitreya, O greatly advanced devotee, who are the Prachetas? To which family do they belong? Whose sons were they? And where did they perform the great sacrifices? Vidura continued, I know that the great sage Narada is the greatest of all devotees. He has compiled the Pancharatrika. Uh, procedure of devotional service and has directly met the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So in the purport, Prabhupada says that there's two different ways of approaching the Supreme Lord. One is called Bhagavat Marg and the other, uh, or the way, uh, the way of Srimad Bhagavatam and the other is called Pancharatriki Vidhi. Pancharatriki Vidhi is a method of temple worship and Bhagavat Vidhi is a system of the nine processes which begin with hearing and chanting. The Krishna conscious movement accepts both processes simultaneously and thus enables one to make steady progress on the path of realization of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This Pancharatriki procedure was first introduced by the great sage Narada as referred to here by Vidura. So lots of things in Krishna consciousness are both and, not either or. So Pancharatriki and Bhagavad Vidya sometimes are explained like two parts of a railroad track. You need both, right? The Pancharatriki Vidhi helps us become, keeps us pure. We, the idea is that if you uh, uh, living at a temple, for example, you wake up by 4 to go, go to Mangalarti at 4.30. Deities have to be taken care of. If you're a Pajari, you, have, you know. And by the, almost like the demands of having the Supreme Lord either here or in your house, um, you, have a, you have to take shower, you have to take bath, you have to be clean, clean clothes. It, it, it's it's very helpful, it's very regulated. And then Bhagavad Vidhi, the direct hearing and chanting of the Lord. So it's, both are important for us in Krishna consciousness. So, but a lot of times our philosophy is this both and. Or you could say um, we, can look at, we can look at life and we can look even at Krishna consciousness as sometimes acting on different levels. Right? Um, What was I going to say about this? Oh, um, yeah, so we're sometimes aware of like this level, but not so much aware of the higher levels. Like, what, like for example, when things are happening to us in life. Or uh, take the example in the 10th canto of um, the six sons of Vasudeva and Devaki, right? And it seems so terrible, right? They give them, they give, one after another, they give those six sons to Kangsa. At first, he says, no, no, it's the eighth child that's going to kill me, so no problem, you can have him back. But then, Narada stirs things up and says, you know, basically says any of these could be the eighth, son, eighth child, and so he mercilessly kills them. 
So that's, that's happening on this level, and it sounds terrible, right? Killing. On another level, uh, look at my notes here, that um, these were uh, six children of Kalanemi, who was Kungs in his last life. And, um, and prior to that, let me see if I'm getting this right here. Um, okay, so uh, they were, so let me just. So they were started, they wanted great power and they started worshiping Lord Brahma. And Hiranyakashipu saw this and only wanted everyone to worship him. So he cursed, they were cursed, let me see if I get this right, I'm looking at my notes in there, um, that they were cursed that you will be killed by your own father. Right? So, um, uh, so they were, so, right, so they were the six children of Kalamemi. They were, they were called the, uh, what, what, what were they called? The Satgarbha. Sadkarba, right? And they took their birth in the womb of Devaki to be killed by their own father in the next life, Kangsa. And after being killed, they were liberated from that curse. So happening here on this level, also happening here on this level, right? And that happens to us in our life, right? We may, uh, things may, we may, uh, something great may happen to us or, or, or something terrible may happen to us and we're thinking here, and we're not seeing that Krishna may have a plan here for us, uh, a, a bigger picture. Just like with Hari Kesh Maharaj, um, he was Prabhupada's servant, uh, or his secretary, I think, secretary, and he was typing up his letters. And um, Prabhupada chastised him one time and really got on his case and sent him out. You're no longer my secretary. And then he went out and uh, in those days uh, did a lot of... Uh, uh, spreading of Krishna consciousness behind the Iron Curtain and publishing books in Russian and other similar languages. And when he approached, when he presented those books to Prabhupada, he, Prabhupada said, yes, he said, I, you were just doing clickety-click work. And I, so I chastised you and sent you out and see what greater, you know, and of course, Harikesh at the time of being sent out was feeling so terrible. Then he saw there was another plan for him. So, Things may also, we have to, so it's incumbent upon us when things happen to us to react in a practical way. We have to do that. Um, that's something that we will talk about another time. That also comes up in, because uh, that's what Vasudev did, right? Vasudev had to act in a uh, practical way to stop Kangsa from killing Devaki, right? Um, and so you may, you know, he, he first tried to preach philosophy, but that didn't work. And so then, you know, since philosophy didn't work, he did something practical. So that, that's a, a kind of a good example maybe for us. <clears throat> um, so he acted practically, but still things were going on on another level there as, as well, obviously, right? right? So um, as we're going through our trials and tribulations in life, there might be a higher purpose to them. And we might even try to, uh, you know, what's that saying in America? That uh, if God gives you lemons, make lemonade, <laughs> right? Right? So, we, you know, just like Hari Kesh Prabhu made lemonade, right? And, um, yeah, that might, uh, 
I was dealing with this because, you know, in my service, I was dealing with a, a, a conflict in one of our temples, and it was kind of like the Hatfield and the McCoys, that were kind of, or Pakistan and India. And I, you know, um, but I was thinking, I haven't, I was telling, think, thinking to tell the Telem president about this point. Well, maybe Krishna wants you to have a different approach in your, in your, in, in your temple based on this, you know, these changes that are going on. Um, so we, we, we need to be open at least to, um, you know, one door closes and three doors open and how things might, you know, uh, we, Krishna may have a plan instead of being overly attached that this is my plan and this is it, right? Because that is usually uh, a, uh, what does that say? If you want to make God laugh, make plans, right? So, you know, we, we make plans, but we also need to be open to having those plans changed. You know, Prabhupada did that a lot. Burry Jumper was happily uh, preaching in Chapel Hill, and then he just got a letter one day, go to Hong Kong. Plans changed. <laughs> so, yes. Um, it, that, what you're, you're uh, talking just now recently uh, fits, fits in so nicely what, with what we were discussing before about associating with devotees and how incredibly important, at least to me, it seems that right. uh, it fits, fits right in. Um, we all know. Yes, because devotees can help you see sure. alternative ways of looking at something. We all know that by philosophical underpinning in this, we accept this teaching. We accept that Krishna is arranging everything. But to, at least for me, to approach something in my life and say, "Oh, Krishna made that happen." I mean, it's 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 very, it's hard for me because you know I keep. Who am I to that like, Krishna would directly arrange something like? Well, no. Uh, who are you? You're his part and parcel. <laughs> That's who you are. But uh, that, it is helpful to have devotee association, like you're saying, because we are often attached, and then someone who's less attached to a situation can look at it more objectively. Right? Um, it's kind of you know. It's just that um, we're we're only aware of our small level. It's just like if an ant walked across my computer right now. Right, or let's say when I'm typing an email, right? And uh, the ant just sees some shiny silver thing or, or whatever the ant sees. I haven't been an ant in a few lifetimes, but um, doesn't see the bigger picture that, you know, I'm, I'm writing an email to uh, Raghunandan Prabhu, right? You know, about Janmashtami. <laughs> doesn't, not, he's on this level, doesn't see things. So we are... Um, we're, there's so much more to existence than what we are aware of. There's so much more to existence. Um, and, but due to false ego, we take our small picture of the world as the big picture. Um, there are, you know, we don't know. We not, we're usually not aware. There's devatas, for example, right? Um, and more subtle realms of existence, right? The higher planetary, thank you, Prabhu. The higher planetary systems are considered you know, more subtle, right? And the pleasures there are more subtle. Um, so it's like that, you know, it's like that uh, ant. We're like that ant. And we can't really, do, do anyone remember what it was like to be a six-month-year-old baby? Right? We don't even remember in this lifetime what it was like. And, you know, we, we, we read about that, right? That, you know, you're, 
you're you're asking for uh, you know uh, something to drink, but but then your parents think it's time to change your diaper. You know, you miss the communications, right? You know, there's so much frustration in that. You know, um, so and then we're understood that nothing ultimately on the highest level is is disconnected from Krishna, right? He's the param uh, satyam. This is mentioned in the eleventh canto of the Bhagavatam. Um, that there's nothing separate from him. Nothing separate from him. So that's on that very high level. So, so there's things happening on different levels. And sometimes we're like the ant walking across the table or something like that. And we should be open to uh, uh, that there's maybe a bigger picture than the one we're experiencing. Thoughts on this? Yes, Prabhu. So uh, this is the greatest uh, secret um, uh, that has been uh, revealed to the devotees that like uh, uh, a normal person, like if something is not working, immediately they go into depression or into addiction of something. Uh, only in the devotee's life that like we understand there is a God's will and God's plan. Um, and then, you know, it works normally, you know. It, it works, uh, and uh, 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 the faith and uh, the acceptance and all that things like helps to build to that level. So, just sharing. Yeah, you see, the these, the the, uh, the the fear of the unknown. See, in order to uh, because it's a fearful world, right? Padam padam yadvi padam natasham, right? At every step, there's danger, right? It's a fearful place, and uh, you know we could walk out. We could walk out, you know, um, to get our prasadam, and someone runs us over, or whatever. You know, we can, you know, get in a car accident on the way home today. But no, you can't live like that. You really can't live like that. Just I just worried about you know at, at every moment. So a non-devotee, they will basically take shelter of illusion and just try to forget about it right because you can't because you can't do anything about it right yeah but for a devotee um, they they take shelter of of krishna and you know and leave their fate in in krishna's hands and know that you know yeah i got a material body i got you know, i'm in this mess so I'm, there's definitely going to be some Good stuff and bad stuff happening, to so-called good, so-called bad, in my life. I'll, you know, that's whatever I got coming and whatever Krishna is going to arrange for me. Ram, Ram. Instead of taking, so that's that's not illusion. That's remembering God, remembering Krishna, uh, as opposed to just block it out. Just block it out because it's scary. I mean, it's probably scary enough for us if we really contemplate leaving this world. And 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 just the fact that we're going to be, whether it's in the spiritual world, the heavenly planets, or here in our next life, we're going to be accepting a totally different reality than we're thinking is reality now. That could be a little scary for us. What to speak of someone who doesn't have uh, a spiritual uh, bent, and uh, it's just you know, what can, it's. When something like that is so out of your control, you really generally the tendency is just block it out. 
then and then it becomes a real real I mean just imagine if today you got a diagnosis that you have an incurable cancer so what would be our reaction and if we don't think it would be Krishna it would be you know Hari Bol. <laughs> if we didn't, if we know, if we don't think we would do the Parikshit Maharaj program, well, that means we have some work to do. We don't have to get freaked out about it, but it means we have we have some work to do to uh, be more under the shelter of the Lord. Some thoughts on the ants and our ant-like vision of the world. <laughs> Yeah, like an inchworm, like their major project for the day is to go from one leaf to the next. It's like, they put it, I put in my eight hours. <laughs> yeah, right. That's, yeah. Yes, it, it almost seems like it's very, uh, at, at, at one level, there are many uh, almost in, like impersonal versions of this, like... Impersonal? Oh, it, well, well uh, so in the... In the material sphere, someone will say, "Oh, well, it was it was meant to happen," or you know, the, the, the conversation doesn't go beyond that. But right. it's just, oh, you know, if, the universe if, if, if it happened it to you, it must have been meant to to happen. And of course, there are other people who there are many people in the world who believe in God, and uh, they have some way of seeing things. So. Um, I just, I just when I somehow when I saw this and and the both and you know Pancharatrikaviti and Bhagavadviti they're both bona fide ways of so uh, then I started thinking of the different levels. On one hand we, one hand we say the Bhagavad is is um, more direct in one sense you might say, but you really we need both. We need to be regulated and pure and worshiping the deity is one of the five most potent items of bhakti. But the essence is to hear and chant about Krishna. Okay, let's continue. Well, and there's a lot of, uh, we're only going to be looking at a couple of uh, purports in this chapter, actually. Now, while all the Prachetas were executing religious duties and sacrificial ceremonies and thus worshipping the Supreme Personality of Godhead for his satisfaction, the great sage Narada described the transcendental qualities of Dhruva Maharaj. So he, kind of those three verses from the last chapter, my dear Brahmanas, how did Narada Muni glorify the Supreme Personality of Godhead and what pastimes were described in that meeting? I am very eager to hear of them. Kindly explain fully about the glorification of the Lord. So this is... Uh, who's speaking? Vidura. He's so eager to hear about the Lord. So eager. The great sage Maitreya replied, My dear Vidura, when Maharaj Dhruva departed for the forest, his son... Utkala did not desire to accept the opulent throne of his father, which was meant for the ruler of all the lands of this planet. From his very birth, Utkala was fully satisfied and unattached to the world. He was equipoised, for he could see everything resting in the supersoul and the supersoul present in everyone's heart. By expansion of his knowledge of the Supreme Brahman, he had already attained liberation from the bondage of the body. This liberation is known as nirvana. He was situated in transcendental bliss, and he continued always in that blissful existence, which expanded more and more. This was possible for him by continual practice of bhakti yoga, 
which is compared to fire because it burns all dirty material things. He was always situated in his constitutional position of self-realization, and he could not see anything else but the Supreme Lord and himself engaged in discharging devotional service. So, obviously a great soul, like his father. Utkala appeared to the less intelligent persons on the road to be foolish, blind, dumb, deaf, and mad, although actually he was not so. He remained like fire covered with ashes without blazing flames. For this reason, the ministers and all the elderly members of the family thought Ukala to be without intelligence and in fact mad. Thus, his younger brother named Batsara, the son of uh, Brahmi, uh, was elevated to the royal throne and he became king of the world. So uh, this purport, it says that it appears that although there was a monarchy, it was not at all an autocracy. There were senior family members and ministers who could make changes and elect the proper person to the throne, although the throne could be occupied only by the royal family. In modern days also, whenever there is monarchy, uh, wherever there is monarchy, sometimes the ministers and elderly members of the family select one member from the royal family to occupy the throne in preference to another. So I just chose, the, I chose us to study this because I, I, um, we've probably talked about this before. Sometimes we get an idea of a very cookie-cutter kind of Vedic culture. But, you know, this just shows that they, they, they dealt with practical things. You know, maybe they didn't get flat tires like we did. I mean, I don't know. They probably didn't have to fix their iPhones. But, you know, they, they had lives. So they were real people who dealt with real issues, right? And, you know, and, and here, was a, here was a practical issue that there was this great... I don't know if, how many of them knew he was a great, great devotee because some of them didn't, right? But he was not in the mood of running the... Even though he was the eldest son. So generally, eldest son comes the king, right? But they made a time, place, circumstance adjustment uh, because of, uh, you know, his nature. So that's, you know, just, it's just, they were practical. <laughs> and they dealt with the practical reality. Right? It sounds like he was a little like Jada Bharata. A little bit like that. I don't know if he was a strong, maybe he was, he was a Chatri also, because Jada Bharata was quite strong. Mm. Yeah, but he just did not want to get entangled in this world. <laughs> yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah. Anything on that point? Yes. I think this point also leads to the next chapter when it's going to discuss about King Vanna. Ah, yes, definitely. Yes, Henry? Um, hello. Um, yes, you hear me? Sometimes, you know, I try to explain to people why I'm reading these books is because I learned that the people were dealing with the exact same problems, you know, thousands and hundreds and thousands of years ago as we have today. They're just like people, like you say, practical. It's a really amazing way to look at it. Mm, nice. Thank you. So they were dealing with it practically, and so they appointed King Vatsara, and he had a very dear wife whose name was... Uh, Swarviti, and she gave birth to six sons named Pushpana, uh, Pushparna, Digmaketu, Isha, Urjat, Vasu, and Jaya. So this is going through the descendants of Juva Maharaj. And Pushparna had two wives named Prabha and Dosha. Uh, Prabha had three sons, namely Pratar, Mud... Mud... How's that? Thank you. Madhyadinam and Swayam. Dosa had three sons, Pradosha, uh, 
Sita, Sita, and Vyusta. Vyusta's wife was named Pushkarini, and she gave birth to a very powerful son named um, Sarvateja. Sarvateja's wife, Akuti, gave birth to a son named Chakshusha, who became the sixth Manu at the end of the Manu millennium. Uh, Nadvala, the wife of Chakshusha Manu, gave birth to the following faultless sons, Puru, Kusha, Trita, Jumna, Satyavan, Rita, Vrata, Agnishtoma, Atiratra, Pradumna, Sibi, and Umukka. Of the twelve sons, Ulmukka begot six sons in his wife, Pashkarini. They were all very good sons, and their names were Anga, Sumana, Kati, Kratu, Angira, and Kaya. Of course, some of these names are pretty well known, right? The wife of Anga, so you can see they're, they're going kind of rapid fire through the uh, generations till we get to the Anga and Venu stuff. Uh, the wife of Anga, Sunita, gave birth to a son named Vena, who was very crooked. The saintly king Anga was very disappointed when Vena's bad character, uh, with Vena's bad character, and he left home and kingdom and went out to the forest. Uh, so, yeah, he just like, oh God, I'm out of here. <laughs> um, there's more details about that coming up. My dear Vidura, I'm just... My dear Vidura, when great sages curse, their words are as invincible as a thunderbolt. Thus, when they cursed King Vena out of anger, he died. After his death, since there was no king, all the rogues and thieves flourished. The kingdom became unregulated, and all the citizens suffered greatly. On seeing this, the great sage took the right hand of Vena as a churning rod, and as a result of their churning, Lord Vishnu, in his partial representation, um, made his advent as King Prithu, the original emperor of the world. Vidura inquired from sage Maitreya, my dear Brahmana, King Anga was very gentle. He had high character and was a saintly personality and lover of Brahminical culture. How is it that such a great soul got a bad son like Vena, because of whom he became indifferent to his kingdom and left it? So there is a backstory to that. How are we doing time-wise? Um, the backstory. Um, oh well, it comes up a little later, so we'll do it when we get to text thirty-nine. So probably next. Uh, yes, Prabhu. Um, before this. Uh, Anga had so many brothers, right, Prabhu? Like when we read the descendants of uh, uh, uh -huh. Dhruva Maharaj, how then they're only worried about uh, Anga and his son Vena? I mean, they have other children also, other, other brothers also. Anga has other brothers also. So why didn't they try the other brothers' sons? Why they only thought about Anga and his son Vena? I'm trying to think of the Bhagavad Gita and the Mahabharata, right? Uh, because you could say Pandu died 
and then it should just go to Dhritarashtra. But they were saying that he was blind, so it's not the, exactly the same. I, I'm, I'm not sure, except that maybe they were just following that line of parampara, so to speak. Oh, I see. Well, I, I, they wanted to, uh, I mean, uh, the, on this level, we were talking about the different levels, on this level they wanted Prithu to appear, right? In the appearance of the Lord, uh, the Sakyavesha avatar of Maharaj Prithu. So that's on this level. On this level, I'm not sure why they didn't, uh, anyone have insight into that? But it was definitely, I mean, when you see, when you see, like you could even say, um, wasn't that irresponsible of Anga to just, okay, so your son's a troublemaker, and then you did, instead of trying to deal, well, he did try to chastise, he did try to, but ultimately he just said, okay, I'm going. So someone might say that's irresponsible, but you can see how this is all an arrangement of the Lord so that Prithu Maharaj would appear and, and, and have his pastimes here, right? And there's also a lot of stuff going, I mean, the question that comes up later is, uh, is, um, because he, you know, it turns out that uh, Anga married the daughter of death personified, of Yamaraj, right? And so then one, but someone could still say, yeah, but Yamaraj was a great devotee. So why, so why, that still doesn't explain that's the explanation of why Vena turned out bad, right? Because of, uh, yeah. But it still doesn't really explain it because Yamaraj is a great devotee. So the story goes that um, it also states that Vena inherited his maternal grandfather's qualities, but Yamaraj is a great devotee. How could his grandson be disrespectful, cruel, and irreligious? The Padma Purana explains that Vena's mother was named Sunita. As a child, she used to imitate her father's service. One day when she went to the forest to play with her friends, whoops, she saw the handsome Gandharva uh, Shushanka performing penance by meditating on goddess Saraswati in order to become perfect in the art of music. Sunita began, began to annoy him, but Shushanka bore her torments patiently. He told her to go away, but Sunita refused to heed his appeals. Once Sunita be, uh, became angry and struck Shushanka, causing Shushanka to call out, You wicked girl, why do you disturb me? You have beaten me, who are engaged in penance for no reason. Then the righteous Gandharva youth curbed his anger, remembering that Sunita was a woman. Sunita replied with vehemence, My father beats, uh, my father beats everyone in the three worlds, Yamaraj. Uh, he only harms the wicked. He does not harm the righteous. The next day, she struck Shushanka with a whip. Then Gandharva rose, shivering with pain, and cursed Sunita. You wicked girl, when you marry, your son will be extremely sinful and will disregard the demigods and brahmanas. After uttering this curse, Sushanka returned to his penance. As a result, cruel Vena was born through Sunita's marriage to King Anga. So there's all kinds of stuff going on behind the scenes in the Shastra and in our lives also. That's the point, the modern day point. That also in our lives, things are happening behind the scenes. Our, karma, our good karma is being burnt up, our bad karma is being burnt up, we're 
put in difficult situations and Krishna, to see if we take shelter of Krishna. And, and, uh, and uh, as we mentioned last week, you know, we may have joined with some uh, Purva Samskars and some Agyata uh, um, Sukriti from another life, and that keeps us going for a little while, but then we use that up and we have to you know, make further advancement. And so there's a lot of stuff going on. And we only kind of see, you know, uh, it's cold out today. You know, you know we, we don't, we're, we're, we're pretty dull sometimes to the subtleties of life and things like that. So there's a, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes. Krishna, the puppeteer, either through the mo- three modes of material nature or through his yoga maya, depending on which we take shelter of. But we're still getting played, so to speak. Okay, so uh, next week... I'm in India, and the following week I'm in India. So no class until, does anyone have a calendar? I just closed my computer. Um, January 20th, next class is January 20th. Is that on a Sunday? Yeah, okay. So okay, so um, yeah, I, I did get, send you some good things to listen to uh, in the past. You might want to listen to those. If you haven't done that uh, and you, you feel inspired um, listening to Radhika Raman Prabhu's The Glories of the Bhagavatam or the Satsandarbhas on YouTube is very nice. And if you go to vihe.org uh, and uh, go into audio lectures, the, uh, well, all of the past retreats, but the most recent retreat, uh, they're all there. Um, and you can listen to those. So there's a lot of, and we can keep reading the Bhagavatam or whatever. But uh, you know, let's uh, keep on hearing and chanting. Hare Krishna, all glories to Srila Prabhupada.